0: Hi everybody and welcome back to b 2 B Nav and our final podcast of the year. I apologise in advance for my Christmas jumper uh, this week. Um, obviously we've been launching Virtual Visitor to the market, bringing brand engagement portals um, into the marketing mix this year alongside the, I guess, myriad of virtual events we've seen spiral out of the, the decimation of the physical events and exhibitions calendar. Um, and one of the questions we've been asked consistently by clients is, do you have any stats? Do you have any recommendations? Um, you know, How long do people stay in virtual event environments? Give us more information and more kind of tangible evidence to help them make a better informed decision about whether that's something they want to uh, entertain or enter into. Um, obviously, we, we've ran a selection of events so far through yeah. Virtual Visitor. Um, and they're ongoing throughout this year and early into next year, there's, there's many more to come. But we thought it would take this opportunity for us to share some stats with you. So hopefully give you a bit of guidance in relation to um, what the findings we found so far, mm-hmm. and also maybe how that can shape recommendations or or conversation points. So uh, I one want we'll to hand across to Ollie on this one. Yeah. And you, you, can, you can be in the driving in I'm all Ollie. with the stats today. Over you go.
1: <coughs> so the first thing I'll just quickly explain, just in case anybody isn't familiar, when we're talking about um, virtual events and brand portals, the way the um, clients have been using them so far is that they've not been like a, a one-hour event. Mm-hmm. These have typically been um, kind of multi-day events and they've spanned sometimes half a day, sometimes entire days. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are talking about longer events, more akin to what you've traditionally got in the physical world, yeah. as opposed to the kind of one-off webinars that, that you're previously used to seeing online. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, the, the first stat that I'd like to kick off with is just around attendance so what we've seen so far is of the people invited around 50 percent of people have attended okay you're never going to get 100 percent attendance i think that applies in real life too um for context the um the typical number that we see for a webinar attendance rate is around 25 to 35 percent
0: okay so we're seeing an uplift against the classic kind of webinar statistics but still a quite significant drop-off i guess really is 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 the honest way of looking at it so but i think we anybody running any kind of event whether it's uh
1: physical or or digital mm-hmm. you have to be aware that people will commit to things further out and then you know, as as you're busy and you get close to the time, you can't always attend what you thought you were going to attend. Things crop uh, up last
0: minute. How have you found that from a client kind of acceptance point of view? Do you think they accept that that's, that, that's going to happen or are they disappointed in the sense of... Because I know I've heard some clients get quite excited about like the number of registrants that they've got and yeah. through the landing pages and the, the amplification campaigns around it. So uh, is that a stat that they're willing to take on at the minute, if you know what I mean? So is it something they're worried about?
1: Or? I think it, it's a bit of both and it, it depends here because I think you can look at the absolute figure and let's say for example you have a hundred people in an event, you might go like, Oh, we were hoping for you know, we we saw an invite list of mm-hmm. two hundred and fifty, we thought we were gonna have more. Yeah. But then you look at it like I say in comparison to what you would have got for a webinar and you're seeing a fifty percent attendance rate and that is a good stat. Yeah. Should we settle for that or should we see if we can get it higher? Of course, Absolutely. we'll see if we can get it higher. And the things you can do to try and drive that higher, like make sure you've got continuous engagement mm-hmm. uh, throughout the the journey leading up to an event so that people are interested. You're kind of wetting people's appetites and also making sure that you, know, you actually are putting on a good, yep. uh, good show so that people want to attend it. Mm-hmm but also then during the event doing things like sending notifications out to people to make sure that they are aware that there is currently something going on so let's say it's a half day event that started at 9am if at 9am I've got a, a critical meeting I need to jump into instead yeah. um, maybe I'm done by 10 yeah. but if you don't remind me to go back you might have lost me for the day Whereas if if I get yeah. a reminder at 10.30 to say hey that session you said you were going to be really interested in is starting soon would you like to join there's a good chance I'm going to get back in there and join
0: do you think in the virtual space it's also quality over quantity because I think there's this transition this hybrid period at the minute where people have come from physical events and exhibitions and that's their, their mindset you know when they've got thousands of people coming to the stand high footfall rates or hopefully high footfall rates not necessarily great engagement by the way but a lot of people passing yeah. through a lot of badge scans a lot of data capture towards the virtual yeah, event where yes.
1: Definitely true. I mean, if you think about events that you've attended, I'm sure you've attended somewhere you you go to a session and it sounds like it's going to be good, mm-hmm. and and they're really not in some cases. Yeah, yeah sure. But you're there, so what are you going to do? Are you just going to wander an event floor, or, or just leave the event, or do you just sit and, and stick out? And I guess there'll be a mix. But in the in the digital world, you're definitely just going to shut the the whole thing down and say <laughs> close oh, the webcam and, and get, and get off, something get on else with the rest of the day. Yeah. Yeah. So I think definitely uh, focusing on having. Key uh, quality key sessions um, instead of
0: having lots of sessions is probably more important there. And I think one of the things that's interesting, um, this isn't a sales pitch about virtual visitor, but it's worth mentioning because if you are doing a straight webinar, okay, you've got your recording that you can potentially drive people back to, but with the virtual visitor being a perpetual presence, those that aren't or can't attend on that day, maybe something's come up, maybe they forgot, maybe yeah. they've slipped out of the net, but the ability to remarket to those individuals and with it being left on as that perpetual presence to invite people and draw traffic back to. Yeah. Um, so there's never really a lost yeah. opportunity in that sense. So.
1: Which ties me to my next app, which wish. is uh, for one of the recent events that we put on for a client, we saw that around 60% of visitors attended uh, one of the live sessions mm-hmm. live. Right. Okay. Which, I mean, I think you could look at that and say, oh, we were hoping that that everybody that joined on the day would go and watch the live session. Mm-hmm. But people are joining late. People don't necessarily want to go and, and see a live session. And there's more to do in there than just watch the live sessions. But I think a key point is that figure doesn't include people that are watching recordings. Okay. So um, going back to your point there, uh, I think you will see that figure go higher and as you have people watching recordings and particularly over time as you can remarket to them and drive them back to it to go and watch recordings that they've missed.
0: Yeah, I I think, again, probably in terms of those live sessions, that's one part of, you know, the platform that we've built, the solution that we've built, obviously, is one part of that. So I guess some people will come because they're interested in that thought leadership content, that uh, live engagement and and the experts that they're hearing speak on the day. Others might not be coming for that. They might be coming to engage with the products or services or the concepts or meetings. So I guess in our environment, that's a bit different, I guess, potentially. And albeit, I still think it's a, it's a, it's a good start to a reference for sure.
1: Yeah, so I was describing it when we were having a conversation offline yesterday mm. as, as similar to a shopping mall having an anchor store. So that key yeah. shop that you use to try and drive people to go to the shopping center, mm-hmm. which helps bring traffic and football to all the other shops. Yeah. And it's, it's potentially a bit similar here is that you can have a, a key webinar or session or panel, whatever it might be, that can help bring people to the environment. But then when they're there, they can go and explore, learn all about your brand, your product portfolio, key innovations, trends, whatever it might be that you're trying to communicate. Okay. So there's more to it. Sounds good. Um, and I think coming back to the point around um, how, uh, kind of focusing your message and having uh, key things uh, to focus on, uh, for one of our clients, we found that one of the products that they were emphasizing got three times more engagement than everything else. Okay. And I think, f- for me, that just shows that there's there's real rationale in there not to just throw everything that you could possibly throw at the environment. So if you've got 500 products in your portfolio, don't try and include them all. Focus on the ones that people are most likely to be interested in at the moment, focus on the ones that you need to be pushing, focus on the ones that are on
0: trend. And without going into lots of detail about this specific client, I'm curious now, you piqued my interest. Was there a reason why that? Content, concept, prototype, machine, whatever, whatever it was in this case. Actually, was it more prevalent, more uh, easy, ad- easily identifiable within the platform, or was it just the? Was it linked to a trend or a topic, or
1: a bit of both? Um, so, it, it within the actual kind of show area, let's say, yeah. it got equal kind of prominence with everything else. Okay. It did also have presence within some of the theatre sessions. Okay. And, and likewise, within the environment, we had a tasting table. It was one of the items that appeared on the tasting table. Okay. However, sure. the other item that appeared on the tasting table, and therefore also had equal prominence, yeah. didn't get the same level of traction. Okay. So I think it shows that this particular concept, um, in this case, had more more traction
0: with the audience at the time. But sure, this is where I think the, the gold dust comes in and the insights and the, the, the information, because actually to know that, because at a physical exhibition or event or many other things, you have no idea what works and what content's working and what isn't working, what how you can optimise the experience going forward. But if you can literally rank your concepts in the sense of which one's got more traction, which ones are yeah. more relevant, then surely that leads to better sales follow-up conversations, more meaningful, yeah. um, and, and more meaningful ROI ultimately, I guess, yeah. in terms of what is working and what isn't.
1: And that's probably a key point which I don't have a, a stat for. Mm. But when I, when I was talking about engagement with products and concepts there, I'm not talking about somebody having looked at it. I'm talking about demonstration requests and uh, uh, contact with the technical team requests, effectively. So we're seeing, compared to a webinar, genuine sales follow-up coming off the back of this, which you would get with a physical event, but you don't typically get with a webinar where it's much more informational, um, kind of one-way thought leadership, as opposed to, I want to learn more about your product right now.
0: We won't won't have any stats on this yet, because it's too big a question, I guess. What I'm really interested to see is to compare those, tangible sales leads that you do get on the fly through a through a virtual event versus the physical event. Because yeah. I think that you do get the passing traffic and you get a lot of pre-organized meetings and so on at physical events. But I, I suspect that slowly the virtual offering will start to produce more goods because I think people are more likely to they're protected a little bit by the anonymity of being on the platform. Mm-hmm. I, know, I know we know who they are because they're registered, but they don't actually have to have the bravery to one, go on the stand, secondly, to actually engage with a, with a real human being. And people don't like doing this at exhibitions. It's a, yeah. it's a known fact. So in the sense of the fact they can go on and request a sample privately and it can get sorted out in the background, I think is something that you're going to see more and more of. And I think it could lead to more more sales opportunities ultimately, which is great to yeah. see.
1: And just from our point of view, with our platform, obviously, is whether they actually click that
0: request a product demo or not, mm-hmm.
1: We still know who's looked at each, yep. um, each concept or product or whatever it might be. Yep. So you do have that information to follow up, even if somebody hasn't specifically requested. Uh, yeah, well, I think it's a good point, isn't it? Because
0: you've still got the opportunity, therefore, to so say we know we know you engaged with it, we know you viewed it. Would you like to see it? Maybe, yep. maybe you forgot to click the button. Or, yeah. you know, Obviously, be,
1: it depends on on where you believe people are in your in your purchase funnel and how much time you have to follow up with everything. Yep. But um, the nice. opportunities there. I suppose this one's uh, quite uh to be expected but just in case it's not for anybody attendance and engagement is much higher amongst your existing audiences mm-hmm. than, um, uh, than amongst new audiences so we uh, found that for example around uh, two-thirds of existing audiences that were invited viewed um at least one live session mm-hmm. whereas i think the number was closer to 50 okay. 50 um for for a new audience and by a new audience here I mean, an audience that was driven by uh, things like uh, social media marketing campaigns, yep. potentially haven't ever engaged with that company before, but liked the sound of the event and registered for the event. Yep. Um, but then when it came to it, not as many um, that attended were, were as engaged, possibly having a bit uh, more of a look around as opposed I to... I think there's also
0: a link here into the way the events have been amplified and promoted though. Because mm-hmm. I think if you've, got your, if you've got your existing client base going and contacts and customers and people that know you and trust you and like you and all the classic sales language, they will go because yeah. you're putting on an event for them and it's probably to enhance the value-added services that you offer. I think to a cold prospect at the minute to cut through the noise and the digital noise around virtual events because every man and his dog is putting on a webinar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's this um, sceptical kind of reticence now towards webinars. That you're like, what oh, another, another webinar, yeah. another hour sat looking at a, a, a blank PowerPoint screen with no engagement. And that isn't what virtual visitor is, and I think it isn't where the, where the yeah. virtual space is going to go, obviously. Um, but how do you how do you amplify that, and how do you educate cold prospects that it isn't just another webinar without saying it as crass as yeah. that? Which, which maybe we, maybe that's what we should do. Yeah. But.
1: And I think the other point to mention there again is that while in this case fifty percent didn't attend a live session, yeah, or just shy of fifty percent didn't attend a live session, they're still registered. We still have the details. We can still follow up. They still browse the environment mm-hmm. so there is still meaningful contact and, and learning that is happening
0: and you've got the ability to remarket retarget pull them back in exactly but yeah okay cool
1: I think this is one that will be really interesting to, to clients because I think whenever we've been talking to them about virtual events this is one of their key questions and that's that visitors were willing to attend more than one live session yeah because I think that was a big concern around uh, if you think about a traditional webinar people didn't generally do multiple webinars in a yeah. day you do one a month if that yeah Whereas we found um, that, certainly for one of our events, that uh, visitors were were attending an average of four sessions. Wow, okay. The only caveat I'll say to that that is that there were some very short sessions in there as well. So there were a couple of five-minute sessions that could be included in that. This is just an average figure. But it still shows that people were willing to attend some some of the lengthy sessions and multiple times in, in a day over the course of an event whereas again coming back to the previous point obviously there's a bit of a difference there between existing audiences and new audiences new audiences being less likely to join multiple sessions so the average for a new audience was uh three sessions but either way still multiple sessions
0: i think it's an interesting debate again at the minute in terms of the changing tides of the, the industry and the space in the sense of a lot of clients, particularly in the B2B space, naturally gravitate towards the physical events. Physical events are on for a week at times. You know, I think I'm thinking about the K show over in Dusseldorf. <laughs> um, literally a full week. Um, so when they're putting on the virtual events, the tendency is to go at least like three days. And, and yeah, I'm thinking like, are, the, are, the, are you separating the audience groups? Which they are quite often into different days with different targets and different focuses. Or is it an open, open access kind of platform route you can go down? Mm. But the expectation that people will be in the platform all day i think we've got to move away from yeah. and i think we are we're trying to encourage clients to think in more punchy more high mm. value sessions
1: and i think in general they, they have been so far yeah. um so we've often had multiple sessions per day but mm. what no client has tried to do so far is have a packed agenda all yeah. day so yeah. it'll be like either a half day's event or a few events spread and by sorry live sessions spread throughout the day so I think the key thing, it's a key takeaway is just be time conscious and think about you're not going to have somebody sat at home for seven hours a day yeah. staring at your presentations all day. They need to get along, along with uh, whatever other work might be going on in the meantime because they're still on the computer and they've still got their Outlook notifications pinging up. Sure. Okay. Sounds good. And then the last stat that I have prepared to throw at you at the moment is that around 36% of visitors are engaging either with chat or
0: chatbots. Well, this is a big, big debate, isn't it? We've had this on most of the platforms and solutions that we've built so far for people, but it's it's an interesting one. So, but is, is that is your gut feel there? That's higher than you thought it would be.
1: I think it's yeah, probably probably around where I'd expect it to be, to be honest. Okay. Um, you're an, you're not,
0: are an expert in your field. But <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm not for, saying I, I'm going to bang no, on. I think, I think, no, I think I think no, but I think more for a, for for a, a layman. You sort of think the chatbot people. I, I, th- I think we've gone through a journey here at BDB over the last couple of years from chatbot kind of apathy of chatbots nobody wants to engage with them do you think that's anything to do with the pandemic in the sense of the digital transformation that people have been forced to to get used to kind potentially of potentially
1: to some extent i mean if nothing else uh, customer service lines if you've had any problem in the last mm-hmm. sort of six to nine months at least in the uk customer service lines have been a nightmare and yep. you're often directed towards uh, live chat mm-hmm and and chatbots and things like that. But I think that's becoming the norm anyway. I think as as a society, we're getting used to engaging with chat as a way to get our problems solved. Yeah. Um, And I think we're seeing that again with with B2B and, and within that virtual event and brand engagement portal sort of space is that, yeah, people are willing to engage in it. And one of the things that I love seeing is even when we have a message that to me is clearly from a bot. I don't know if everybody else feels the same way. Maybe it isn't <laughs> to them, but people are typing "thank you" back to the bot. So it's either they don't realize that it's a bot, or they're just it, got this <laughs> common courtesy thing built in. So these, are, so we have triggered messages in the environment that say things like, "Oh, if you, if you want to explore, just click on the on the plus symbol and you'll enter the space." Or if somebody spends too long on the screen, it'll pop up and say, "Can we help you find what you're looking for?" Mm-hmm. Just click here, and it'll it'll pop up basically a decision tree of Things that you can click on, but people are engaging really well with those. Yeah, yeah. But also, I don't want to diminish live chat. Is that people have been engaging really well with the live chat? So we've seen a lot of uh, of genuine kind of queries and sales conversations mm-hmm. happening within the live chat, which which um, I think just shows that people are, are willing to use that as a route to find things out. And then you can obviously schedule follow-up conversations. Well, I think further.
0: linked to that, I was going to say, is kind of the, the meeting space, which we're not going to have stats on today, but in the sense of, um, obviously, it's part of the solution in virtual business, so that, that we, there's the ability to book a meeting, have a drop-in meeting, book a meeting in advance, schedule follow-up meetings, you name it, it's mm-hmm. all in there albeit we're seeing more more uptake of the actual live chat mm-hmm. interactions and engagement yeah. than actually wanting that face, face-to-face interaction on the day.
1: And again just to be clear when we say a meeting it's it's basically a live video call that mm-hmm. takes place in the environment you pick a time at some point during the day a 15 or a 30 minute slot whatever, whatever the client chooses to set up the environment to mm-hmm. have and you can have that conversation with a representative very similar to what you would in a physical event yeah. but as you say there's a, a little bit of reticence around that we're seeing and it might just be that people are in that like safe zone you're at home and I don't want to join a video call with somebody Honestly, I, I, think it's, like I think
0: it's a psychology point I'm, I'm convinced it's linked to the anonymity of not knowing who you're meeting I think this is I think this is a point we've got to work through with our clients and work through on future projects of I think if you have a named person in the mm-hmm. room and they're known either through profile existing contacts and um, they're a part of their team or the sales team or the customer service team or whoever it is people would be more willing to drop into the room mm-hmm. I think because it's a would you like to come to this room for a meeting with an expert and there's kind of this anonymity around it. I don't think many people would want to do that mm-hmm. um, and I also think that's exactly the same on a physical exhibition stand. Yeah. People go to meet contacts, they go to meet people that they know, they don't go for a speculative meeting um, and I, ha- I haven't got any stats on it but maybe we can try and find some for a, fu- a future podcast mm-hmm. but I do think it's that anonymity point that people are protected, as you say, behind the screen, the live chat, they're getting the answers that they want as well. And um, they're getting the, they can request the details that they want, they request a follow-up through the call to actions. But I th- I'm convinced it's linked to that. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the longer this goes on, I think people will always want the ability to offer a meeting.
1: Yeah, well, I think that's actually a really interesting point, because one of the other things that we just did with one of our recent events is that on some days of the event, we offered that functionality to book a live meeting. But for certain regions, uh, the client in question didn't want that to be an option. Yep. So instead of actually allowing the, uh, the visitor to select a specific time and date from the calendar, we just allowed them to request a meeting. Mm-hmm. And that fired a request off to the client to pick up with separately. And it looks like that's got quite well engaged with. And that went straight through to
0: Salesforce, PowerPoint, or whatever it may exactly. the So they'll
1: pick up that as part of their normal process, the same way they would uh, a form being filled in on the website. Okay. to Find out more information. But yeah, it looks like that's got better engagement than um, than actually booking a meeting in the environment. So that might be, again, something to explore. Where maybe, again, we're, at the minute we're hypothesizing because it's, it's quite new, I suppose. But maybe it's that situation of, I don't want to meet now. Um, I've got other things in my head. I'm not mentally prepared for it. mm mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm willing to acknowledge that I might have a meeting at some point in the yeah, next few yeah, no. weeks. So no, but please still, contact me about it's that. It's still a great,
0: uh, a great result to see those inter- interactions coming through, though, for, for sure. Awesome, that's really good, really useful, really interesting. Hopefully, everybody else found those um, stats and insights useful as well. Obviously, the the virtual events and the brand engagement portal space is new to everybody, Um, so it's an area that we're all continuing to learn and develop and evolve on for the meantime. So, um, no doubt we'll come back to you with more stats and more information as we're learning more with the events and to hopefully inform you to make better uh, decisions going forward about incorporating them into your uh, marketing communications mix. So um, thanks very much. That's our last one for the year. I um, wish everybody a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And we'll see you in 2021. Thanks, guys.
1: Thank you.